Welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, and I'm so excited that you're joining us today. We are going to have a fascinating conversation, as usual, as we learn from people all around the world at all ages and stages of life. Stay tuned as we shift our dementia care from crisis to comfort. Here we go. What you think about. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. If you enjoyed our opening music, it's called Clarion Call by the Mark Arneson Band, and you can download that on any of your favorite music platforms. For those that are new, Alzheimer's Speaks is about sound news, not just sound bite. Our goal is really to raise all voices, big and small, around the world, from those diagnosed to those who care and serve, to advocates and researchers and more. Now, today is a live show, and so you can call in at 323-870-4602. That's 323-870-4602. And as always, I have to thank our listeners because of your likes, clicks, and shares. People know about Alzheimer's Speaks all around the world, and it's really helping build a sense of community, collaboration, and comfort And I truly believe that's the only way we're going to win this battle against dementia. Now, I do want to uh, just remind people that all of our shows are archived. We've been doing this for, gosh, over 10 years now. And so there's plenty to listen to out there. So you can always come to our page here and listen uh, to your your heart's content. Today, we are going to be talking with uh, Gary Joseph LeBlanc and uh, Vince Zangargo. And um, hopefully Kate Lau is going to be my co-host. We're having a little difficulty uh, getting a hold of her right now. But, you know, it's a full moon out there tonight, so you just never know what's going to happen. But before I introduce our guests, I always like to give a shout-out to a few organizations. One is the Memory Cafe Directory. Um, If you go to Memory Cafe Directory, you'll find five different countries listed with all the memory cafes out there. Many of them, of course, are not meeting in person, but there are over a hundred of them now meeting uh, virtually, which is really nice because you don't have to be in that area typically to join one of those. I do three of those myself, two with Arthur Senior Care, and we do those on the second and fourth Wednesday of the month at 2 p.m. Eastern Time. And um, I also do one on the third Wednesday of each month at 2 p.m. Eastern Time with Artist Way um, here in Minnesota as well. So if you're interested in any of those, feel free to reach out to me or just go to the Memory Cafe directory and you'll find them listed there. I also want to thank Coral Health, that's C-O-R-O Health, because they are allowing people to download their apps, um, both Music First and Coral Faith, free during the pandemic. So just go to coralhealth.com That is C-O-R-O-Health.com. And then I want to mention that we did roll out mid-November Dementia Map, which is a global resource directory 
that serves those living with dementia, their care partners, as well as professionals and organizations. And you're going to find a lot of information there. And we're, we're growing this organically. Um, so feel free to go to DementiaMap.com if you're interested in a virtual tour. Uh, just uh, I go up to the right-hand corner, and you can click on a tab there and register for one of the dates. Now let's hear about the Footballer Walker, and we'll be right back with our guest. Introducing the life-changing Footbar Walker. I'm Peggy from Danville, Kentucky, and I'm 91 years old. The Footbar Walker revolutionized my care of George. The saving that I made from having to put him in a nursing home came to about $192,000. The Footbar Walker opens and closes just like a standard walker. The only thing that is different is the top bar and the footbar. Does that ever make a difference? Does someone you love use a walker? Do they struggle to get up from a seated position? Are you a caregiver dealing with physical pain and stress as you help your patient? The Footbar Walker was designed to assist not only the patient, but also the caregiver. Patients have more control standing up, and no lifting from the caregiver is required. See how it works at thefootbarwalker.com. That's thefootbarwalker.com. Peggy, would you recommend the Footbar Walker? Do I ever? I would not be in the health that I'm in today at this age had it not been for the Footbar Walker. Well, welcome back. Let's introduce our guest today. First of all, we have Gary Joseph LeBlanc, uh, who is with Dementia Spotlight Foundation, and he is the Director of Education. He's also the founder of Dementia Mentors, which we'll talk about today as well. And he is the author of several books on dementia. So, Gary, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Oh, great. Thank you, Lori. And uh, thank you for having me, and Happy New Year's. Well, Happy New Year's to you. I can't wait to roll in 2021. I've had just about enough of 2020 myself. Well, let me uh, introduce your sidekick here. Uh, Vincent Zagaro, I I always kill your name, Vince, so uh, sorry about that. Zangaro is also with the Dementia Spotlight Foundation, and he is their community outreach director. Um, I got to know Vince uh, before he joined the foundation when he was caring for his father, Albert, who was diagnosed with dementia. And, uh, and his dad lived for 14 years, I believe, with, uh, with Alzheimer's. Vince was a full-time uh, care partner for his dad and then became the founder of the Alzheimer's Music Fest, which he'll also talk about. So welcome, Vince. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me, Lord. Well, good. Thanks for calling back in. It sounds like our connection is better. <laughs> what it is it way better. We're good to go. <laughs> Wonderful. <sighs> um, well, first of all, I'm going to start out. I always uh, like to ask everybody just for a little background for people who might not know you. Um, and I'm going to start this out with Vince. If you can tell us a little bit about you know, your journey with your dad, because I already mentioned that uh, you've been personally touched by that. Then I'll go to Gary and ask him if he's been personally touched. All right. One, Gary's my sidekick. That was supposed to be a joke. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Um, No, my dad and I lived with Alzheimer's for 14 years. Um, Probably, I would say, you know, everybody says probably about, a window about five years before diagnosis. Um, and we lived through it all from the beginning, from actually kind of just living a little bit in ignorance um, with the diagnosis, even though his father had it, um, to 
realizing what it was through the years and taking the steps that it was and kind of going through, you know, having to leave work and be a full-time caregiver um, and just really realizing what my father was in going through and trying to live life on his level where he was at, Um, you know, kind of getting rid of all the kind of outside world to be um, in his world is what I like to call it. And um, we ended up in home hospice at the very end Um, on his 76th birthday. We actually celebrated in home hospice, my wife and I and him, and I got to hold his hand and right here and right now with COVID that's very hard um, and be with him to his last breath. Wow. That's nice. Nice. Not everybody is able to do that, like you said, especially with COVID. How about you, Gary? Have you been personally touched with uh, family or friends? Yes. Uh, like Vince, uh, I cared for my dad. I'm um, going back 23 years ago. This all started. Like you, Lori, we've been in this for I don't know how many, for decades and decades, it seems. Um, but, uh, you know, I was with my dad from day one to the very end. Uh, you get to witness his disease from start to finish. It's kind of... Uh, it's, it's breathtaking, really, when you see it all. And then right after my dad passed, uh, it was mom's turn. I took eight years with mom with vascular dementia. And my dad had Alzheimer's. And we have another family member now uh, diagnosed with early onset. So we're on our third run here. Uh, a lot of experience, without a doubt. A lot of personal experience. Yep, experience we'd uh, rather not have, but, yep, it no, is but I got to tell you, we're, we're getting good at it. I mean, third round here, it's, um, it's uh, we learn. If you don't learn from your mistakes, you're not learning at all, so. Yep. Well, and the, the, the thing that's interesting, too, is, is everybody's journey is a little bit different. So even though you know a lot, it's still, I would imagine it's still different. I, I That's what I've found anyways, because um, everybody's personality and and uh, care partner situation, I mean, it, it's just, it's all different. Um, and yet there's so many commonalities um, within the journey. And I think you've done such a nice job, uh, both you and Vince, in terms of taking your experiences and, and sharing it with others. Um, Gary, I want to talk to you um, about the education uh, department in in uh, Dementia Spotlight Foundation. And what have you been able to do, if anything, during COVID? Because I know a lot, of, a lot of organizations have just kind of shut down, and even a lot of the dementia-friendly groups. Um, especially initially, you know, had just stepped back and said, well, we're going to wait till this is over. Um, where where have you guys fallen with all of this? That was not the case with us. We just went into high gear virtually right from the beginning. Um, I mean, I do all the sheriff's training issue here in Florida. I do all the police departments and stuff, uh, health department. That's all shut down, I mean, as far as that goes on. it. But a lot of the hospital training I've been doing over the years has always been virtual on most cases on it. So I was already set up ready to go virtually on it. So we just started from day one, we just started doing live webinars. Uh, we did one a week for the first eight weeks of the shutdown. And we really haven't stopped from there. We've been going right through on it. And we've done some really good stuff. I mean, I'm pretty proud of what we've accomplished I mean, during the COVID. Um, you know, I, I don't know Gary, I mean. Uh, well, what, what Gary's saying too, is even um, with the music fest, we started streaming live music and, we all came together, and because of Gary's help, he was doing dementia wow. mentors for a long time, and um, we'll get into that. But, yeah, we just literally went full blast. Um, we just started streaming bands, live music. We were just 
trying to figure out how we could still keep connected with um, the dementia community. Mm-hmm. Well, that that is wonderful. And, um, yeah, I can't wait to talk about Dementia Mentors and, and you know, all that you're doing. I think both of you guys, uh, like myself, I mean, we've been so entrenched with online stuff. Um, if it's different, the different forms of communication that you just, you just keep plugging away um, in terms of doing things. And I think it's so, so needed. I would imagine you're getting a lot of um, kudos from the people that are participating in this. I know I, I sure do. And um, how much it's appreciated by the person with dementia as well as the families with that. Are you hearing a lot of positives, Gary? No. Uh, after every webinar we do, um, we just get blasted with emails thanking us for everything on it. I will say on the mm-hmm. good news front on this, I did get a schedule from the Florida Sheriff's Department for in-person training starting in February throughout the year. Wow. Uh, whether this falls through, Florida is a lot different than most states. I mean, we're wide open here on it. Um, so, uh, but we do have a full schedule set up starting next month and, uh, and starting February first. Wow. So, uh, hopefully next year will be a lot different than this year. Uh, I honestly, I miss so bad teaching in person. It's just online is great, but it's just not the same. It just isn't, yep. but, but it's a great substitute, I mean. Yeah, I agree, I agree. Now, I want to talk about, you guys are doing some respite care programs, and so, um, Vince, do you want to start us off in, in talking about respite care, and how does that work, and where is it available, and, and is there a cost to it, all those fun things? Uh, well, the great thing about um, Dementia Spotlight Foundation's respite care, <clears throat> we're now in um, Georgia and Florida and um, pretty much broad in counties. We're trying to expand that in the course because of COVID. We couldn't do our um, two Alzheimer's Music Fest this year, mm-hmm. but we've been fortunate enough to continue to do what we're doing, so we're still offering it. And mm-hmm. if you go to the mentalspotlightfoundation.org, you can fill out a um, Florida respite care app and or application and also a Georgia. And our respite care basically, you know, my friend Gary um, Kitchen, if you don't mind me talking about this a little bit, um, oh, that's fine. that we, I started this with um, probably about 10 years ago or nine years ago um, when I was caring for my dad. He was my feet on the ground and he just passed away. Um, anyway, just an amazing dude. And so what we ended up doing was kind of a similar thing where we started and then Gary came in, then Whitney and all of us, and we actually, I wouldn't say improved it, but made it broader where we pay direct to those home care companies, the family to fill out an application. Dude, we'll get back with you in literally under 24 hours, but I got to be, I'm not kidding. Normally it's like within 30 minutes with us because we understand the need for that home care and that break for families um, so they don't have caregiver burnout or care partner burnout. And even for the one living with dementia, seeing the same face every day. And with people living with dementia, when you bring in someone that's actually really good at their job, it's not always perfection when you bring in these companies and these um, CNAs, but it works out pretty well. They really, it uplifts their mood. So we basically do, right now we're doing case by case because of COVID, um, how much money we're giving, but it's up to $500. Right now we're staying in between about 350 and they filled an app and we call them and boom, you got respite care and within the next week or so. 
Wow. That's fantastic. That is absolutely fantastic. I, you know, I talk to people all over the world, and one of the things that you know families are saying so much is, we need respite. We're dying out here. You know, all the adult days pretty much have shut down, and people are just feeling overly stressed and and just trapped in their house. But now they're trapped in their house, you know, without support, and it really, really makes it tough. So that's that is absolutely wonderful. So basically, it's in Florida and Georgia are the main areas for the rest. Yeah, of the and we're looking at expanding. You know, hopefully 2021. Um, we would like to see that, but you know, we can't tell the future. But of course, uh, um, Whitney, me, and Gary uh, really have big caregiver complexes where we mm-hmm. don't know how to take a day off mm-hmm. um, because <laughs> it's not a job. It's not a job for us. It's it's just what we do. And when you get that other person on that phone, they um, whether they know you from social media, they don't know you, or they – just when they get someone that actually understands what they're going through. Mm-hmm. And normally with um, – I would say with a dementia family, it takes, a, you know, years to ask for help. It's just dementia families are stubborn. We want to do it ourselves, and we don't trust people. And, of course, when you get new – in this kind of disease and what it is, you, you don't know there's any help out there. Um, of course, you know, over the last decade, there's more now, but, you know, Gary, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah. What I really was shocked by when I started giving out restless care with the, to the foundation on this one, like I said, the families never even have to take their wallet out of their pocket. We, this is all paid for, but to, to give free help to these people and they're like, Oh, I can't do that. I've been with my wife since we were 14 years old. I can't have somebody else come to the house. I go, yes, you can. And I explained to the people, I go, this is actually a learning process for both, for everybody. And eventually you're going to have to bring home care. And this will give you a chance to get a little, little stuff, put your feet in the water, try it out, you know. And then once they realize, once they take the first respite day, then it all opens up for everybody and they see how good, of, you know, this is on it. But sometimes we have to like sit there and say, don't make me get on my hands and knees and beg you to give you free help. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, we just had a woman that we just went to. You know, we were, I was offering a four-hour shift, a small break. She goes, I only want two hours. I'm like, we're trying to find a home care agency that only, what, will only do two hours. is very almost impossible on it. But we worked with a company. We gave her the two hours, and now she's on her way to go. Now she'll do the four hours. But it was very hard for her to have somebody come help. Pride, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's our loved one. This is my job. We, as caregivers, we, we all go through this on it. Um, so it's, it's, but it is a learning experience. That's how I try to explain to everybody. I go, let's just try this out. This is going to be and an I think experience. Gary, get to this point anyway. And I think Gary's exactly right on this. You know, when you get into it, and kind of what I said before, dementia family. I mean, dude, we're stubborn people, and I love it, and that's a good characteristic. But um, what Gary said is, it is very nervous to bring someone in your home you don't trust people you get to this isolation because normally it's about three four years before you ask for help in some cases and you know and what's really been good is you know gary and i and wit and everybody i mean we have a naughty and nice list you know we know the home care we can kind of you know kind of direct you to the right home care agency that we feel comfortable with. it's never perfect but in a lot of cases once they see that it opens up their world well, and I, I love that you said never perfect because, you know what, life isn't perfect. It wasn't before dementia knocked on your door, and so you can't expect it to be now. But, 
you know, it really is about building a trust, giving yourself a break, breaking some of those stigmas that so many of us feel that we have to do it all ourselves, you know, that it's expected of us. And, you know, we just all do much better collaborating and, you know, working as a team because we all have different expertise. And so once we let somebody in, and it's uncomfortable. I mean, I hear it over and over again. I don't want anybody in my house. I don't trust anybody in my house. I just, you know, I don't trust anybody with my loved one. They don't know them the way I know them. Well, they're never going to if you don't tell them about them. You know, um, they're going to also have a lot of tricks up their sleeve that might help you in terms of how to care when you're with them because you're still the primary, you know, care partner there. So it really is a a two-way street. I want to call in uh, Kate. Kate Lau is going to be my co-host today. And uh, welcome, Kate. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. How about you? Doing good. Doing good. So glad you can join us today. Um, Kate, Kate. you want to? Do you want to give Hi. people a little background on yourself? Hi, everybody. I'm Kate Law. I live in Illinois, um, Champaign, Illinois. Um, well, I've got a, a, a little bit of a cold here, so if you, see, if you hear a lot of sniffling, that will be me. Um, you guys are talking about home care. I see. I've been waiting to hear from um, one of the agencies, but first I have to get an RN in here to see, uh, to check my house out, see if I need all the, you know, um, what do you call those things, in the bathroom, help me people. Oh, oh, just the grab bars and things? Yes, 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 because I moved to an, uh, to a condo, and it's one story, um, I, I cannot do any more stairs, so I decide that it's time to downsize. And uh, sometimes as family members who do not believe in that and do not want to move, so I say, well, they don't know how it feels like when the spine is out and you've got spine injury, plus a huge four-story house is not meant for somebody with uh, dementia. And uh, Mm -hmm. I cannot clean anymore. I cannot do anything. So if people can't move, I've got to take care of me. So yep. I called the, yeah, I called the agency and said that, well, you know, when I first was diagnosed, they, di- they misdiagnosed me and said that I had Alzheimer's and I was given um, medication that's not for, for me. So I got very ill and uh, for a year or so, so they gave me a CNA. Then they uh, changed it when I got better and gave me a helper, a home help. Um, things are good, but, you know, like I heard the, the, uh, the last part of your conversation, um, they're not always perfect. And uh, I had one lady, she came and uh, um, she wanted to help out, so there's really nothing much to do. So I asked her if she would just like wipe down the banister because it's spiraling down with dust also spiraling down. And uh, I didn't know she took pledge and she polished the banister and all the stairs. (laughs) Oh, geez. All the stairs? (laughs) All the stairs. So my son came home and he always like ran up the stairs, run down, and he fell all the way down. Oh, no. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. 
who did this? So I uh, told him, she said, Mom, must you have her? I said, yes, I must. Because if you keep on changing, your reputation gets pretty bad, you know, and nobody will come out. Mm-hmm. So I said, for now, I'm going to have her, and I'm not calling the company, which sometimes patients are very fond of doing, <laughs> so they, they can have another one they think would be better. Uh, it could mm-hmm. also be worse. So the best thing is to just let her know, you know, <laughs> my son fell down, and uh, in future, please don't use this, you know, and say it in a, in a nice way, she wouldn't mind. Yeah. But then later on, I, I got really, really lucky, and I got one that was really good for a very long time. And then this continued. I was fine, but now I'm not fine. Mm-hmm. So I'm waiting to hear from the RN who's coming here to look at the house. And I haven't yeah. heard from them because of Christmas, and it's very, very um, frustrating. But I have to understand that with COVID, everybody's going, like, busy, um, yeah. Well, and, and it's hard. And also, and also short staff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I have, yeah. I have a question for for um, Vince and Gary again, um, and so maybe Vince, you can handle this. Is you know, she was talking about you know you having to qualify and things with your respite. Do they have to qualify, given that this is you know kind of a gift? I mean, I'm sure there's got to be an assessment done in terms of what the needs are. Um, but it's it's not a qualification for receiving payment, is it? You know, we do not do a background check. We do not do a background check. We um, we sit there and we talk with them, mm-hmm. and you can mm-hmm. feel automatically over the phone what they're going through, whether it's financial difficulties, which you know many families have through the caregiving mm-hmm. journey. Um, I'd say eighty percent. Uh, families have and that's not me being a you know an expert but I would say pretty much 80% of families I talk to just can't afford respite or home care yeah and so once you get on the phone and you talk to these people you know we're not going to put people through that you know mm-hmm. we Gary and I and with we've been through it we know it we know and so yeah they felt the application we talked to them and then we go forward it's that okay. simple yeah and Anything you want to add, Gary? Yeah, the one qualification is that they got to have a diagnosis of some type of dementia-related disease. I mean, that, that's that's the first where we start on it, I mean, to find out exactly what it is. And then that's where we are, like Vincent says, we're talking to him. We're asking him all the questions like, what can, what is the best thing we can do when we send somebody out to the house to handle this person? What does your loved one like to do? Do they like to play cards? So the first visit they get, all that the, the home care agency has all this information. Okay. Do they have pets? Do they like animals? I mean, what is the illness? So we try to get as much background as far as that's concerned to get the home care agency as ready as possible when they walk in the door to take care of this person, to make that first visit go as smooth as possible. So I think that's all very important to put together as a package as we send, I send all this information to the, whoever we're dealing with at the time as home care. No, okay. it might not all be home care. Some of this could be uh, an adult daycare center, or it could be, you know, assisted living over for 48 hours or 24 hours. Overnight or hospice. Even hospice. If you need some extra help through hospice, we'll be there. Okay. It varies on what the situation is in each person. So it's. Okay. And then as far as payment goes, do you pay the company directly versus the money going to the family to pay? No. Yeah, we pay directly. Yeah, we pay directly. 
Okay, that's what I thought, and I just wanted to be clear on that. Great. Um, yeah, there, there's a big – sorry, Lori. There's a big thing, too. A lot of people call this vouchers, and um, that bothers me. I think some government programs, I guess, through the years um, have been called vouchers, mm-hmm. and where they kind of – you pay 10 bucks for a book, and you get $500 worth of – and you only can go to one home care company. You can only go to one pharmacy whatever through those things. That's not what we do. I mean, mm-hmm. if you have a home care company that you really like, then I'll go talk, you know, Gary and I will go talk to him. Okay. See if it's the right fit. You know, these are not vouchers. This is direct. We try to, you know, Gary and I have really been, we really try to take kind of the admin work or the research work off of you. So we can be that, care partner's advocate and that person living with dementia's advocate. We okay. do that work for you. Wonderful. Wonderful. Um, Gary, I want to switch gears here and talk about the the um, dementia hospital wristband program and how the hospitals are using it and how has it helped them serve those with dementia? Yeah, I think we're, we're in our 19th hospital. I had started two this year, uh, one in New Jersey and one in uh, Carolina. They're both coming on. And both of them. One was a five hospital system. The other one was a nine hospital system. And of course, this is we're starting this in early spring, and then everything got shut down. So we got two big, two big programs running right now, but this is on hold until probably next year because the hospitals are just buried. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as far as the program goes, if anybody goes in the hospital and they have some symptom of dementia or either a traumatic brain injury or any cognitive issues. The wristband is basically a sticker that we put on the band, and this is just stating that this patient is at risk for cognitive issues, for cognitive mm-hmm. impairment. It's not a diagnosis and everything, and that's how we get through the HIPAA laws and all that on it. Uh, every hospital that we've had has been very successful in it. Um, families love it. One of the biggest concerns with the families, they, were, they get more report from the families in favor of it than they ever thought on it. And um, so we talked to the hospitals about a lot of things, and a lot of it is readmissions. We're, we're really cut down the readmissions values for the people because all these hospitals are getting fined for early readmissions. Well, the people with dementia are on the top of that list. They're the first ones to end back in the hospital because they're handing kids your rehab papers, go see your doctors. They're not giving you really enough information, and the caregiver's a mess, and they end up back in the hospital within 10 days in most cases on it. So we've, we've really cut this down by making sure we discharge these people properly. It's not just the admission, it's the discharge. So mm-hmm. the program has grown and grown and grown on what we've got to, what we look to accomplish on it, including mini-cog tests for admission time, mini-cog tests when they leave, so we know the difference between the time they get in and the time they walk out. Because most times they're walking out of there worse than they came in. A seven-day hospital stay with somebody with dementia could literally take away a year of their cognitive issues. So they've yep. got to be handled right. And then the acute care in the hospital, we understand everything's fast going, but this just doesn't work for the people with dementia. So we're putting mm-hmm. in paid companions, the hospital putting paid companions with the people with dementia until they have a sitter. If the family can't be there, there's going to be a companion there with them, helping the if reading to them, helping them eat, whatever they need to do. I mean, it's, it's a scary situation. Hospitals are scary as it is. You put dementia in the mix, and it's a problem. So yeah. we're happy to still working on it. Like I said, it's, uh, it's been a tough year on this, this year for that. Uh, as soon as this is opening up, we get to these, these two chains that we're talking about, Open Sector Jersey, and uh, that's Meridian Health, and we get another one in Charlotte, uh, First Presbyterian is the other one on it. The large hospital systems on it, they're ready to go, but they got to get through this COVID first. Yeah, yeah, that, that makes a lot we of sense. Just getting the training started. We were just getting the training started in both these hospitals when this all broke off and got hit with the COVID, so 
And I feel for these people. I'm talking about the frontline workers. These, these the staff in the hospital, man, they, they're right there and in near it every day, man. It's That's a tough situation. Yep, that's for sure. That's for sure. Okay, let's let's talk a little bit about the um, Dementia Spotlight Foundation's online support group. And, Gary, I'm going to let you go ahead and and start with that, and then we'll pull Vince in as well. Well, I'm very proud of Vince. He's been handling this program. He's done a great job on it. Uh, But like I said, this is what we started this right when the COVID took off, the COVID took off, too. We've always had it in mind how we wanted to get this thing running. As soon as the COVID hit, exactly when we started it. I was like, okay, this is the time. Let's get the people together online. I mean, immediately was one of the first things we did. Right at the same time as online education came on board on it. Uh, he's got two a week. He's got a great group. I mean, everybody's really happy. Uh, I would really love Vince handle this one because he's the one running that, that program on it. But okay. he's done a great job. Okay, Vince. Well, it's pretty amazing. Um, you know, very much inspired by and again, sorry, dementia mentors, um, you know, and you guys are going to talk about that later. I understand, Lori, but I was very much inspired by Gary on this, and Whitney was, and we're sitting there, and, you know, a lot of people don't give enough people credit, um, even living with dementia or care partners, um, that they can do Zoom. You know, they don't give enough people credit, and to be honest with you, when we first started this, I was, like, really excited about it, and we didn't really promote it that much. We kind of did grassroots, let's get in there, and now we basically have 10 members two times a week, and it keeps growing, and we're going to have to add another support group here. And what really is interesting, um, I'm just kind of a moderator. So I go in there, and to be honest with you, it's a support group for me. I, mm-hmm. My dad died two, two years ago. You know, and it doesn't leave you. Once you're a care partner or a caregiver, you're always a caregiver. It doesn't leave you. You grieve continuously. And this is – but you can do it in a productive way. And what happens is these people become family. They they exchange numbers. They talk to each other outside the support group. It's very beautiful. And I really have seen some amazing things out of it. And what's kind of cool with the Zoom – and I think this will go back where you go to a support group. If you do it weekdays, I remember when I was caring for dad, and there was um, a few support groups at that time. And they're like, well, you have to come at 5 p.m. on a Thursday. Well, how the heck can I come to a support group at 5 p.m. on a Thursday when I'm caring for my father? Mm-hmm. You know, they can do the Zoom and do it right there. And I think it actually gives a benefit to a lot of people. Yep, yep. I'm going to pull pull Kate in because Kate's participated in uh, various support groups on Zoom. And since you're living with dementia, Kate, what have the, the Zoom uh, support groups meant to you? Um, when I first was diagnosed, I didn't know where to turn to. I actually was lost. I was there alone and uh, I came out. I kind of missed. You're not going to believe this, but it's true. I miss like, oh, wow, I'm not coming to see Dr. Shuhart anymore. You know, it's like, what do I do now? You know, where where, where do I go? Who do I call? Um, there's a place that I call, but they don't know a thing. They're a very big organization, but um, they they ask me if I want to participate in a walk. No, I I need to know more about 
uh, my Alzheimer's or my frontal lobe dementia, but I could not get anything. So I went online and I found one group and uh, it just didn't feel right. So that's when I went to Dementia Mentors and I got a lot out of it. I couldn't wait for Dementia Mentors. That's my only uh, social life and that's the only place where I could ask questions, I get answers. And I've got so many questions. As you can tell, I talk a lot. So I've got a lot of questions and uh, I've got a lot of good answers. So, you know, actually I learned a lot from Dementia Mentors. And uh, mm-hmm. then I joined Forget Me Not and Purple Angel. And uh, and uh, uh, prior to that, I was kind of working in skilled nursing at the Dementia um, Village. And so I've got a little bit of, you know, experience from there. But now I look at I look at myself some days. I say, okay, I got to get up and get going, because I am beginning to feel like what my patients did—just curl up on the couch. That's that's the, that's a good one because it will get me going. I don't lie down on the couch, no matter how bad it is. I'll get up. So mm-hmm. I'll go to support group, or I'll I'll be grumpy, but I'll get up. You know, it's a uh, I learned so much from support groups, yes. I don't know what I would do without them. Like I said, you can't get well. There's no medication. They can treat their symptoms. And uh, what else do you do? You have no more friends. Slowly, your friends go away. And uh, about uh, about three, four years ago, I was ready to go to uh, assisted living, but I was part of the – I was one of the five people that uh, – started the assisted living, and I feel like I couldn't go there. There's so many memories of me working there, and now I'm a patient, so I decided to have home care. Yeah, I learned a lot. I take away a lot from support groups online. Great. Well, and I think what you're saying, too, it's kind of interesting what I've learned um, from even talking to you just over the radio or the podcast Mm -hmm. is you learn so much. You know, people living with dementia learn so much from each other. People that are care partners and caregivers learn so much from each other. It's something that you can't get from going to a Mm – not saying you shouldn't go to a doctor. You shouldn't look at everything. I mean, of course, that's great, but you learn so much from each other. Yeah, these groups have been so valuable for for so many. Um, Go ahead, Kate. You were going to say something else? Um, um, yeah, uh, working around people with dementia, you know, you, yes, you learn a lot. And, uh, then when you're at the other side of the table and you have dementia and then you said, oh boy, um, I know what I have now, you know, I know that it is true that I have FGD and, uh, I, I noticed my own behavior and now I know that. I am a lot like a couple of my patients, and now I can identify who has Alzheimer's. And no, mm-hmm. I'm not like those. You know, I mean, you begin to recognize symptoms. But of course, I'm not going to go out there and be their doctor and go to the um, dementia unit and say, oh, you know what? I know she's got dementia. No, because we're all different. But I recognize a lot of my symptoms. Um, now, I know it's FTD. 
But when I was diagnosed for, for Alzheimer's, I did not I did not feel I had Alzheimer's at all. Mm-hmm. You know, you yeah. know it because you've been working around them. Well, and it's it's interesting too because I think one of the things that people forget is that no one's ever going to know it all, and no matter how little you think you know, you know more than somebody else, and so you can always help somebody by sharing your yes. story and sharing what you've learned. And it, then it's up to them, you know, are they going to take it in or not? Um, but more often than not, not, people are really thankful that you shared your story and your experience, because even if it doesn't apply to them, it gives them knowledge in an everyday, you know, reality focused, you know, kind of based. It's not, it's not book smart. It's this stuff really has happened to real people. Hands on. And, and that makes a big difference in terms of how people apply and adapt to a lot of those changes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had mentioned Forget-Me-Not is, uh, for those of you that don't know, is a, um, a Facebook group that has a lot of subgroups for Louis Body and Vascular and all different kinds of things. And there's many groups like that on Facebook. And I just personally want to thank you, too, for being part of Dementia Chats, which is also a group where I just facilitate the conversation and we record it. Um, on different topics that people with dementia talk about. And we get all different kinds of insights. And I think that's one of the brilliant things, too, is that in these groups, you know, everybody's um, pretty welcome, you know, to be their authentic self. And expectations aren't, aren't high and they're not limited. And people are able to feel their feelings and be able to move through them and support one another and create these, uh, these friendships and bonds that are so, so important to everyone. Um, Gary, I want to talk to you um, since we've mentioned Dementia Mentors. I'm wondering if you can tell us a little bit um, about what Dementia Mentors um, is, how it got started, and how are you guys adapting through covid well, um, by the way, uh, Kate is one of our lovely members. Uh, love you, Kate. Uh, she's here. It's good to hear her voice. Um, next month will be seven years when I started working and building Dimension Mentors, and it's it's gone from two cafes a week to 46 a month now. Uh, we built and built. Uh, we get members all over globally, internationally. It's very common that we'll have uh, doing a cafe, and we get people from four different countries on. So it's uh, it's absolutely amazing. But what these people have, like you mentioned, is they have just truly become family. And for me, they've become they've become my university. I mean, I have learned so much from these folks. Mm-hmm. If you just let these people talk and actually sit down and listen, what you will learn from these folks that are living with dementia is there's not a university on this planet that can teach you what these folks can teach you. But you just got to be able to acknowledge that they got something to say, and it's just absolutely amazing. But um. These groups have just become, we've got some members that come on every single meeting. They're waiting for the next one. They'll, they'll come on two, three a day. We'll have, uh, on Mondays, we have three cafes on Mondays. Today, we did two cafes today already. Um, it's absolutely, I can't even speak highly enough of how good this group has gone and become on it. But they're friends. If somebody doesn't show up, we haven't seen somebody in three weeks, and it's like, hey, where's Scott? You know, and next you know, we're messaging him, and we're finding out if he's okay. It's, it's just become family, and it's, um, we just had a brand-new member come on today. Um, it's, during the COVID, 
it actually expanded a little bit, of course. I mean, people couldn't go anywhere. People were in lockdown. Everybody in the U.K. is in a strict lockdown. They're on cafes all week long and stuff on it on it. Um, during the holidays right now, we've seen an increase. Members that we haven't seen or haven't maybe been on a couple of months are coming in for the holidays. Just like everything else, it's family. You know, everybody wants to get together on it. We had a cafe on Christmas Day. We had eight people on. I mean, it's, it's a lot of these people with dementia are living alone. And this truly is their window to their world. And they're looking at that computer screen. We're doing Zoom conferences. And that, that computer screen is their window. I mean, they're, they're, they get their friends all over the globe here, and we're talking on it. And uh, like I said, we haven't seen Kate for a while. But, hey, Kate, how you doing, man? It's just, it's just amazing, man, on it. Phone call. They have learned. Everybody's patting each other on the back. I mean, it's just about confidence building yeah. for everybody. You know, yeah, uh, I, may I interject here, Laurie? Oh, go Before ahead. I, I lose my thought, yes. Um, we learn um, at Dementia Mentors because it's such a big group. I learned uh, words. I learned uh, symptoms. I uh, listened to so many, many, many um, things that I didn't know about. So I learned how to advocate. I learned to how to advocate for myself when I saw the doctors. And I said, but isn't this such and such and such? And uh, you find that you know more than they do a lot of times. And uh, how do you learn this? From the people who have dementia where? From the support groups. I learned the most from there. I can read that I get really, really depressed just looking at all those words, you know. But when you're talking, you don't feel it. You don't feel it. You feel mm-hmm. encouraged. You feel inspired. So you learn to advocate. Okay. I will say there's some, there's some cafes where we all laugh together, and there's other cafes where we all cry together, man. But it's all either way, it's all oh, good. Yeah. 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 Well, and it, it is important, and it isn't. Um, you know, dementia isn't something that is scheduled, and so I love that you've got. Uh, what did you say? Forty six. Um, you know, meetings that you're doing a month. That's incredible. And, you know, you're a small organization compared to some in terms of the amount that you are giving directly back to people in building community. Um, that, is, that is absolutely huge. I participated in something on Christmas Day, and there were, you know, a couple of people on that, you know, were very honest, very, very honest. And, you know, it was open to the public, but they were just really, really depressed, really, really down. And to be able to have have connections and, and try to lift one another up and support each other even outside that meeting is um, is extremely important for people to have. So kudos, kudos to you, um, Vince. I want to get you back in because I want to talk about the music fest, uh, Alzheimer's music fest. Um, real, uh, real quick, Lori. I'm sorry. Can I add on to that real quick? The COVID sure. stuff. Sure. Um, you know, what's very interesting with the support groups, and Gary, I think you've gotten this too, is kind of when, when people went in lockdown, um, you know, at the very beginning of this. Mm-hmm. But most dementia families were like, I mean, it, it's terrible. But they're like, forever. well, for the first few months, they were kind of used to it. They were like so isolated already. And I think people don't understand that. You know, yeah. you look at this um, virus, no matter what you think about it, and you think that, you know, oh, this is an inconvenience and 
this is this. But these families that live with this disease for years and years and years, they've been living this already. Yep. Yeah. That was kind of one of the jokes I, on dementia chats where they said, this is our world. This is how we've been living. We can actually help people adapt to doing Zoom because we get how important this is and how well it works. And, and so, I think, you know, um, it's, you know, of course, now it's very much expensive time, and that can really hurt people, you know, being in isolation for that. Like even going to a corner store, doing whatever you do with your loved one or going to a restaurant. But these people already felt this way in many ways. And yeah. I don't think people get the isolation. And what um, she talked about earlier was losing friends, losing loved ones. This happens. This is literally a consistent thing yeah. for families. We've they've been through it. They're living it. That's all I got to say on it. Sorry, it's yeah. pretty okay, passionate no, about it. No, no, good points. But I do want to take some time because we're we only have about ten minutes left. I want you to talk about the Alzheimer's Music Fest, how that came about, and how COVID has impacted your ability to fundraise. You know, via that. Um, well, like I said, we um, started um, doing some streams on. It's not the fest, and we're not, of course. You know, we are a smaller nonprofit, um, but, you know, we actually get to the people, which I really like. It's not call 1-800 number. It's not, hey, you you fill out that, you get us, and we're mm-hmm. on it. And I love that. And I think, you know, um, in my dad's memory and everybody that I've met that lives with dementia, that are caregivers, it's been pretty amazing. But we got some exciting stuff coming up with Alzheimer's Music Fest. You know, we partnered with um, Live Nation, um, which is one of the biggest music promotion companies actually in the world, um, but definitely in the United States. And so we have one planned for August 28th. Um, we did that. Believe me, we changed the dates many times. Um, and, you know, we have some great bands on it. We haven't done the formal announcement yet, so I'm not going to say what that is. Um, we'll do that on February, but like just some amazing big, I mean, huge, you know, really big bands that have been actually touched. All of them have been touched by dementia and mm-hmm. we'll be doing it at the Tabernacle in Atlanta, which okay. is can fit about 2,500 people. Okay, cool. It's pretty insane. So we're looking forward to working with them forward and going, hopefully expanding like we did in Florida to different states after this and just kind of bringing out the message and, you know, getting the care for those communities. And they need it. They need it now. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, people are just saying right now, care, help. No one's listening. I mean, we are the small niche of people that are in this community, but I want to reach people that maybe had a grandparent or had a friend. I want to reach those people. And the Mm -hmm. best way to reach them is through music. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I I'll look forward to hearing more about that. I I remember going to one of yours. I think it might've been your second one or something. Yeah, it was the second one and we didn't know what we did. Like, it was just like we threw it because I've been a mute, but yeah. And you bought me a Coke. (laughs) But you guys. You were like, can I buy you a drink? And I'm like, I'll take a Coke. 
<laughs> but you did a great job. I mean, it was a lot of fun. Um, people were very engaged. You know, you had your silent auction, and I'll still never forget the artist that painted. I mean, she was just incredible. Oh, Heather. Yeah, and oh, then, you know, our dear, and our dear friend Pam that passed away. Yeah. So um, yeah, it's it's neat to see how it's how it's grown over the years. I want to uh, pull Gary back in here quick and just see if he has anything that uh, you want to add here. Um, we're just we've only got well, a few minutes left. So hey Gary, real quick, Gary is the dude in Florida that's really expanded the music fest out there. That's all I got to say, Gary. Sorry, I'll shut up. Sorry. Yeah, we did our Music Fest in Tampa in 2019. Our 2021, which was scheduled for March 14th, was we literally shut it down the night before the event because of the COVID. That's when mm-hmm. everything broke loose on the COVID on it. And that it, it was just heartbreaking. I mean, it was we had put so much work into it. We rescheduled for November. We had to cancel that. I mean, it's been, like Vince says, we've moved several dates. So once the world gets back to normal, we'll be looking forward to doing events all over again on it. So. But they're fun. Yeah. It's a fun event. It's a great way to raise money for respite care. This is where it basically pays our respite care money. On it, it's such an important event, and so please support. Yeah, we were looking at doing something here in Minnesota too this past summer, and, and my gut was just screaming, "This isn't going to work. This isn't going to work." And I said, "I said I don't no. I don't know what's what's happening." I said, "But it's just it's not going to work. I can just tell you, it's not going to work." And then um, it was probably. Three weeks later, when the COVID hit, and I said, "Oh, this is why it's not going to work," you know. Um, so it was kind of weird that my intuition was just uh, taken over. But we've got uh, uh, one guy, in fact, who did our opening music here, uh, Mark Arneson, um, was really interested in in uh, doing something through music, and he's very, very well well connected and stuff so maybe we'll be able to do something in the in the future when things lift here now to get a hold of you guys um yeah at the dementia spotlight foundation people can just go to your website dementia spotlight foundation.org again that's dementia found or dementia spotlight foundation.org and then if you want to reach um Vince or Gary, you just put Vince at or Gary at DementiaSpotlightFoundation.org. And those of you interested um, in Dementia Mentors, you can go to DementiaMentors.com. And you can also, I'm sorry, .org, right. And then um, I wonder if I made a mistake here. Is your is your email, Gary, DementiaMentors at gmail.com? Or is it through DementiaMentors.org? Because I had Gmail. Uh, yeah, the best one is DementiaMentors at Gmail. Okay, dot com. com. Okay. And then, um, Vince, for you, if someone's interested in the Alzheimer's Music Fest, should they just email you through the Dementia Spotlight Foundation, or do you have another uh, email you'd like to give out? No, the Dementia Spotlight Foundation is great. Wonderful. <laughs> you guys and, um, Vince, go ahead, and then Gary. Sorry, I'm getting a delay. Um, But anyway, just I wanted to, you know, she can't be with us today, you know, um, but um, Whitney Oldman, um, that kind of kind of brought us all together and Mm -hmm. is able to do this, man. She has inspired 
you know, us to keep going and make sure this keeps happening. And she can't be with us today, and she's trying to change the stigma on dementia-related diseases. And um, because people think, you know, people just some of the verbiage and the, what's used that's been used for decades. And you know, she's really just worked hard with cities and counties and. Just it's amazing what she does. So just I just wanted to say that she's pretty amazing. Great, yeah, great. I'm glad I'm glad you mentioned uh, I'm glad you mentioned her. That's wonderful um, for Whitney to uh, keep up the great work. And she too was personally touched uh, by dementia as well. And it's amazing how many people who have been touched that say, hey, we can do a better job. You know, let's let's do something else. And Kate, I want to thank you too for, for being with us and kind of co-hosting with me today. Appreciate you taking the time and and giving us some input as well. Any last comments that you'd like to say? Um, Thank you for having me and gentlemen. Um, It's a privilege to be here and to learn more things. So Gary, I probably will be seeing you on Thursday at one of our um, chats. (laughs) <laughs> and yeah. uh, all the best. Thank you. Always love, always love to see you. Hey, by the way, um, you know, we have guest speakers on the support groups once a month. Mm-hmm. Um, we bring oh, yeah. someone that's living with dementia once oh, a month to talk okay. to um, care partners and caregivers, which is pretty, okay. pretty they get so much. So um, you can talk to Gary about that, and um, sure. we'd love to have you. Thank you very much. Great. Another connection being made in terms of educating yes. the world. So that's wonderful. Yes. <laughs> I, again, you can go to DementiaSpotlightFoundation.org for more information. And uh, as far as Alzheimer's Speaks, you can just go to AlzheimerSpeaks.com. We offer all kinds of uh, different resources there along with the the radio show. And um, again, I thank you all so much for being part and um, have a wonderful rest of the holiday season and roll in that new year with a smile and stay healthy and uh, safe, everyone. We'll talk soon. Bye now. Hi everyone, this is Meredith from the Senior Fitness with Meredith podcast, where I discuss all things for seniors. From fitness, your health and wellness journeys, how to be all over strong and beyond. I also have my mini podcast called Motivation with Meredith. It's a great, quick, motivational pick-me-up for your days. Join me, listen now, search for Senior Fitness with Meredith on your favorite podcast platform.